you saw Kush Groove, you saw us, you saw us smoking. You like, I get that. You know what I'm saying? Like the message was clear. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? And I think that's what we actually do really well. Like we're not artists, we're not graphic designers, we're not uh, the most creative people. I think what we really do well is like bring community together. Welcome back to another episode of Yours, Mine, and Ours. Uh, I'm your host, Joel Edwards uh, of the Moonlighters Club. And we're back with the Ujima Project. And uh, first, let me give a shout out to uh, uh, the videographer, Colgan, who's been doing an amazing job for us. Uh, Colgan has just been great at setting up visuals. So if this looks great, I have nothing to do with it. It's, it's all Colgan. I just kind of come here and I, I'm told what to do. So, yo, Colgan, thank you. I appreciate it. Um, we're in another great space. We have another great guest. Marcus, what's going on? How you doing, my brother? Doing all right. We're at Kush Groove, or soon to be Kush Groove. Um, I'm excited. Actually, uh, we talked about this before. I knew about Kush Groove um, when I was, years ago, looking for people to interview with the Moonlighters Club. And I just walked into your shop, saw everything, and Mission Hill. Yes, sir. And uh, it, I've lived in Boston for a very long time. If you knew Mission Hill, like how I knew Mission Hill, when we were kids, it was a place you weren't supposed to go and then go in there to see, you know what I mean? Like a, a cannabis retail store and black owned. It was pretty dope. So however it may have happened, Faith, we're here now. We're interviewing you now. Super pleasure to meet you. Yes, uh, thank thank you. you for inviting us into your space. You're welcome. Shout out to Ujima Project for setting this up. Um, where are you from? Uh, interestingly enough, I'm from this neighborhood uh, in Cambridge, Massachusetts, where our dispensary is at. I don't know which camera's going to see this. We're at 701 Marama Street in Cambridge, Mass, 02138, right next to the Star Market. Uh, grew up in this neighborhood, Cambridge, Mass, man. Nice. It's uh, I have a lot of Cambridge friends who would always beef me. We still talk about Boston. Cambridge, we've got our own. And I'm That's like, all right, right, all right, right, right. <laughs> then I would actually like, <laughs> I'm like, all right. Then I would drive around. And I'm like, okay, you have your own. It is your own That's city, fact, bro. Like, yeah. all, So all my Cambridge friends, you were right. <laughs> Y'all do got it all. Y'all got stores, shopping, malls. You got nice stuff. You got colleges. You have hoods. Cambridge is its own city. That's it's, it's, I, I like it. it. It's cool. So, and you're at like right at the intersection of multiple cities here. Like you got you Cambridge, know, of, yeah. uh, Watertown, Belmont, uh, not too far from Waltham as well. So there's a lot of lot of action, inner city action right on this yeah. right on this block. Were you ever? Was it always going to be Boston when you were talking about starting a business? Were you ever like it could happen anywhere or were you no, if I do anything, let's let's start it here. Boston Cambridge, excuse me. Let's start it here and then I'll just see what I do later on. For me, being in business was never about a place or a space. It was just something I needed to do, an activity. Like I needed to be doing something entrepreneurial. How I fell into cannabis, I think it was just circumstantial. Um having had a retail location in Boston that I started right after college. Literally, uh, I went to Northeastern. Our Kush Groove uh, Mission Hill location is a hop, skip, and a jump. Yep. Stone's throw away from Northeastern. So it wasn't too far from us 
from just where I was at to open a business, you know, where I was at. Um, this location specifically came out of a pursuit to open a cannabis uh, dispensary in a, you know, in a decent location, right? Yeah. Like as a business person, you just think, of, you think about location, right? That's like kind of what you think about. Um, <clears throat> and we were scouting locations, scouting available locations, scouting, and this is specific to cannabis, scouting locations that were in compliant business commercial zones. Uh, and this location just happened to be one of those locations. And it also <laughs> happened to be the location in the neighborhood that myself and my business partner grew up in. That's awesome. Um, when you were in school, did school contribute to, how did school contribute to this? Um, were you, to give an example, when I was, school is probably the reason why entrepreneurship caught my ear and like it, it did a good job of kind of pointing me towards like figuring out how to ask questions, uh, figuring out solutions. It was good for me with that. For you, did school serve as a catalyst to helping you start this business? And if so, I'm curious, because I had friends who were in school we were like, man, I'm just trying to get this degree. And they were like a totally different person outside of school. They were trying their own thing, doing it, and they held it as two separate lives. But I've also seen people kind of use that experience to be a catalyst mm -hmm. to help them start a business. So what was that like for you? Well, the catalyst to be an entrepreneur was definitely outside of school. It was definitely molded by, <clears throat> I think, this unique time in hip hop where we saw hip hop culture, where we saw rappers as ceos yeah right so yeah. like that was an education on its own right in your face to to see a master p to see a jay-z to see a 50 cent and they're telling you this story through the music and then you're also watching the story through the visuals yeah. right so yeah. for me that was the catalyst outside of school in college at northeastern my business partner he uh, graduated with a, a degree in business. So, uh, you know, if you asked him this question, he could probably answer it differently. Um, but I kind of just uh, holding on to the pigtails of his interest in business at the academic level and just the pursuit to be an entrepreneur. You know what I'm saying? That's where the catalyst came from. I, I was never really urge to do this or to be an entrepreneur in college on my own yeah i'm actually more of an academic like an intellectual yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> um but just being around my my brother and my friend who was in the, the college of business yeah uh and then kind of like oh they got you know accelerated programs over there and this that like that kind of yeah open that you know open that door to like entrepreneurship from that perspective. I was just excited about being an entrepreneur because I'm like, I just like how Master P move. I like how 50 Cent move. I like how Jay-Z move. I'm like, as black men, I like how they move. Yeah. So I, I in it, in it, not be on the music, right? Like I, you know, I, I liked rap. I didn't want to really be a rapper, <laughs> but I like, I like the results of what they yeah. was doing. So I was like, oh, I think I want to go do whatever they're doing. You know what I'm saying? So that's kind of where that catalyst came from. Yeah, I feel like there's a, there has to be, you have to find the right way to intersect it because there's times where I'm, I'm reading too much. Like, you know, school will give you certain tools, 
and then you can just find yourself overanalyzing yeah. and like overreading and overplanning and some in its defense it's not always good to just run out and do stuff like there's not like if you if you don't have a lot of money the entrepreneurs are like man Al, it was my last ten dollars and i just went out there like that's not always the best it works sometimes but no that you have to find a way to marry the both and it seems like you've done a good job um now i know a lot about your business but do you mind explaining what kush groove is um, what well, i think this bleeds into what you were getting at right you kind of start with what you got yeah. right so 2010-ish, myself, my brother, my partner Mike, our other friend that we kind of started this with, our day-to-day -day was working our corporate, half-corporate jobs, you know, year or two or three out of college, each of us coming home, you know, we, we indulged in cannabis <laughs> all the time. It sounded so regal. I like the way you right? <laughs> indulge in cannabis. <laughs> like, yeah, that's you know, you, you, you learned some keywords over the time, bro. Um, but nonetheless, we come out of work every day and we're just like, man, we want to do something more. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And I don't know, speaking to myself, I didn't, there was no other path I saw to do more other than entrepreneurship, other yeah. than to create something, right? Like, I didn't. I actually started grad school just because my mother worked at Northeastern, and I had like a free benefit up until I was twenty six years old. Yeah. So I'm like twenty five. I'm like, right, let me just go yeah, get these yeah, free classes. Yeah, yeah, you know what yeah. I'm saying? <laughs> um, but I, nonetheless, like, I didn't have a, a career path. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I didn't yeah. think about a career path, or I didn't know of a career path. There was no. Or a career path that excited me, frankly. There wasn't anybody in my life that uh, elder I saw that had a career like I could model after, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. You, you know, and this is no disrespect to, to some of my elders that I love, you know, that took on more public sector jobs, but that didn't excite me, you know what I'm saying? I got excited by like entrepreneurship. And so that was the only pathway I saw. And so, you know, bringing it back to, my partners and I at the time just figuring out like, yo, what can we do? We just went through this exercise of like, yo, let's start something. You know what I'm saying? Whatever that is, I don't know what it is. Let's start something. But we went through this exercise, uh, uh, played with a couple different ideas, and we landed on t-shirts and clothes because we had did that in high school. Okay. You know, ten years before at that point. At that point, we had made some t-shirts for just like our little neighborhood because. You know, West Cambridge or in Cambridge, yeah. we have neighborhoods. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> this representation, right? <laughs> um, so, you know, it was like our little crew of maybe like 15, 20 of us. We all had our little T-shirts and we like had our little uh, thing on the front, a name on the front. We had our, our all of our names on the back. So it was like all of our crew on the back. Nice. So you're yeah, just in yeah, high school, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. you know, with your crew name and then all your crew on the back. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? That was a cool thing. But we knew how to do that. Like that cool. was the lowest hanging fruit, um, you know, 11 years ago at this point. So we were like, all right, let's do some T-shirt stuff. Recognizing like the angle got to be about cannabis. In addition to that. Yeah. In addition to that. My other partner, Mike, he had lived in California for like six months after college. And I went and followed him too. And from him going there and me going there, you can kind of see there was like a cannabis culture. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Of like merchandise and accessories mm -hmm. and, you know, 
things of that nature. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like there was that stuff was there. You know what I mean? And just being there and then coming back, like, ah, oh, what, what can we do? Like, yeah, we got to do something like that. Whatever's happening in the West Coast, we got to do that here. You know what I'm saying? Um, so that was kind of really what got the business model going. And then as we were thinking about a name, Crush Groove kind of just came to mind as just, you know, in conversation, maybe we happened to just hear some music at, the, at that time. We were just kind of like going through this exercise. Crush Groove came up and then it was like, yo, what if we made, took off the R and made that Kush Groove? And it just, it was like, yo, that sounds dope. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It was like one of them, like, you know, when you, when you just yeah. in that creative space, yeah. right? And you're like, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so however that like came up, it just stuck. And then, you know, we kind of conceptualized it around the fact that Crush Groove was a movie that introduced hip hop culture as like a pop culture. You know what I'm saying? And we feel like Kush Groove, the name to some degree represents this introduction to cannabis as another pop culture, right? Okay. Um, so that's, you know, that's how we interpret the name, right? Someone else, you ain't got to believe us, but whatever, right? Like, that's how we interpret it. Um, so that was, you know, the business model kind of came about and then the name. And then we were like, all right, let's run with it. Nice. So that's where, really where it came from. See, if I'm I'm 39, if, like for folks watching, if you may happen to be whoever it is, this is why black folks take hip hop so seriously. <laughs> it's like you have no idea of realizing how much it means it to means, us. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, like when we were, it kid, really does. Like, when we were like, young, it was like every it was like everything that was happening, the music, the everything, the graffiti, everything around it meant so much to us that yeah. like even now it has the names we pick, the people we are influenced by, like. This is like 30 years in the making, bro. Yeah, like, like, it's interesting. You you asked me with the assumption that the catalyst to be a business or be a business person came from school. Right. And like, nah, it yeah. came from hip hop. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. that's it, it. All of this really came from hip hop. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's wild. Walk me through getting that uh, first store because we're, we've had the, we've been fortunate to talk to people who have brick and mortars. Um, uh, and like people who are doing stuff within that. Um, but I, I, it's just something I, I, I can never make tangible for myself. So like starting with the spot of Mission Hill, how do you go from not having a storefront to having a storefront? Yo, business is such a journey and it's so unpredictable. And the only predictable thing that you can like predict out of business is like, as long as you stay with it, like things are gonna open up. So we had started the business with like a launch party and we did the festival, the, the hemp fest. Okay. We did a couple of, there was one in um, Western Mass. Uh, we did like a handful of those. We was doing a whole bunch of like pop up, popping up at like hip hop shows in Boston when there was hip hop shows, when yeah. there was like local hip hop shows. Yeah. Um, that used to be a thing. That used to be a yeah. thing. Yeah. yeah. So we was just like, <laughs> we was just like omnipresent. You know what I'm saying? We was just outside. Like we was the definition of outside yeah. everywhere. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. And through that, we built community. And we built like representation of like what we was trying to do. Like the people like 
you saw Kush Groove, you saw us, you saw Smoking. You like, I get that. You know what I'm saying? Like, the message was clear. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? And I think that's what we actually do really well. Like, we're not artists. We're not graphic designers. We're not uh, the most creative people. I think what we really do well is, like, bring community together. You know what I'm saying? For, like, for this specific purpose. I think that's, like, our, our diamond in the rough. So we recognized, like, we was building community. And it, it wasn't very calculated. It was more instinctual. It was like, man, we got to get a spot. You know what I'm saying? And at the time, there was this woman. It was during the, uh, what's his name? When Menino passed. And what was the other white dude's name? <laughs> the mayor. That oh, Flint. Uh, was not a Flint. Uh, that was before. Uh, Walsh. Walsh. Yeah, there yeah, yeah. So yeah. It was like, <laughs> I don't know. It was like that election, that campaign, and there was this woman, uh, Charlotte Golar Ritchie, that was running. Oh yeah, I remember. Yeah, 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 yeah. So she was operating out of her campaign was operating out of that location, where our store was, and my partner just happened to be like a volunteer in the campaign, so he was going to that space uh networking with you know all the volunteers of the campaign and yeah. one of the volunteers or whatever the case was the landlord to that spot yeah so she lost the campaign um the spot became vacant and it just made sense like the rent was affordable the down payment was affordable that's what I can't believe that the rent in Boston anywhere was affordable. Well, at me. that time in Mission Hill, it's not Mission Hill what it is today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And it was an older building, right? So like yeah. we we lucked out yeah, in a good, relationship good, too. Yeah, like it yeah. just it just worked out. Yeah. Right? And and that's that's the one thing that's predictable about business is like just you're going to meet people as long as you stay consistent doing like following the path of the business you know what i'm saying yeah how you uh uh grow from those relationships with those people would determine the growth of your business right but that's the only thing that's predictable that i've seen about business and being in business this long is like the only thing that's predictable is like meeting people and as long as you're staying doing the business yeah yeah i didn't never understood that definition of luck of like uh preparation meeting opportunity but it really is that like i used to when i was in an app space i used to get like just angry and you're like how is this happening how is this happening but reality you just need to operate your business to the best you can there are walls that do need help like sometimes you need policies sometimes you do need a certain amount of funds but don't operate waiting for something to happen or for someone to meet you because you literally could be in day two and someone's like, hey, this business you have, I want a thousand of those. Yeah. And now you're like, I have no idea how to make up. a thousand of those. <laughs> yeah. you fail. Like, it, you're so, like, the the only way to be ready for those situations or to even get in those situations, you really just got to work your business. Yeah. Like, work it. People notice it. And by the time people are noticing it, you're ready for whatever. Right. So, because that, had that happened, and it, like, there, there's there could have been a retail space ready for y'all. And y'all could have been sitting there like, oh, all right, uh, we'll get at you in a year. We'll come back. It'd have been gone. Like, it'd have, you'd have never been able to do it. Yeah, so. dude was like, yo, you want this? It costs this much. We got together like, damn, we got to figure out how we're going to get this $6,000 <laughs> first lap in, 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 in um, deposit. Now we got this. We got that. Damn, we got to 
It's gonna cause a build out, this, that, that. It's gonna be like 30 racks. All right, man, let's do what we gotta do. Let's save this. Let's start with this little. Let's, <laughs> literally, the first day we opened, it was like, it was so bare-boned. <laughs> <laughs> From like, when we closed it, it was all like colorful. The walls, yeah. all the shelves all built out. But like, when we first opened it, there was like two glass cases less what we needed <laughs> you know what i'm saying like it was so big bold but you just you got started with what you got yeah you know what i'm saying that, so, that's yeah. exactly what we did people were like probably thought it was a drug front for like it was one probably. of those, those, those like, it's like, probably, <laughs> like yeah. for sure so uh what was it like managing that so did you how'd you all split time um hours between who's gonna be at the store who's not like what's it like managing a storefront uh it requires bodies being there <laughs> so like you learn that real quick and then you learn just like scheduling and, and people and time like I, I didn't i was actually like the work i was doing before was very administrative i was in offices i was working in nonprofit and foundations things of that nature and like you know corporate bossing you know what i'm saying so i i i never really worked in retail honestly even as a kid i didn't work in retail so having a retail business was like, um, professionally was like an ill shift. Yeah. Owning a, a retail business was an ill shift. Um, making sure there's people, again, you know, retail requires bodies. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And so it's just getting people, getting good people, reliable people. And you know, it's a business, right? Like, I, it's, I don't, I don't know how to in, to dive in deeper on this. No, no, that's like, a, <laughs> the way you described it kind of speaks to the personality of how you run it. Like, yeah. there's people I talk to about it, and they're just like, oh, "Got to be here." Like, I think it's the old bitter guy way of like, like speaking out. It's like the old American adage of how business is supposed to work, and it's always stress. They're like, "You can't be here. You got to be hard on folks. You got to do this." But I also think your personality can flow into how you run things and how you do I, things. And it's man, not always the same for everybody. Perfect example. I, I was, you know, don't take this personal if you guys are seeing this at some point. <laughs> but, you know, I, I had a conversation with two of, uh, two of my friends that own uh, cannabis businesses. One of them has a problem with employee turnover. And one of them doesn't. And... I know instinctually, because I know them personally, it's personality. Like one just doesn't provide the same level of operational uh, excellence with managing people as the other guy does. The other guy, he's great as a business operator, but he's not great as a people operator the same way the other guy is, mm. right? Yeah. And I think a lot of that has to do with personality, yeah. right? Um, and to your point, I think we, we've we been able to run our business similar to the other example of this guy because of our personality, because of our relationship to the business, our relationship to our, our workforce, you know, they look like us, right? We, we kind of have the same interests our relationship to the customer again i'm i'm if i wasn't doing this i'd be my own customer yep. right um so i have the same interest of, of the customer and so and that all ties into the personality ter personality of myself personality 
the ethos of the business. And so um, the personality does 100% of management um, determine the success of the business. And, you know, personality is a big key indicator for our business. Nice. That seems to be working really well for y'all. Yeah. Um, so now we're in this beautiful spot in Cambridge. Oh, right here. Cambridge, yeah. yeah. And <laughs> there, the, I've been in the other shop. There were clothes there. There were accessories there. There's going to be cannabis here. Yes. Explain the shift and yeah, give us a little foreshadowing of what this store is going to be like when it's ready. So we pursued this location around four years ago once cannabis became legal and once the city of uh, Cambridge, you know, kind of crafted laws for uh, adult use cannabis retail. We've been building out this space for a little under a year now. Uh, we're finally getting to a place of being operational for adult use cannabis. We'll have um, kind of like our merchandise accessories over in that area. You know, the point of sales, you'll kind of get your cannabis over there. But the journey really um, and what the shift was from regular retail clothing, accessories, uh, smoke shop, paraphernalia and such. Uh, it was a shift to just a regulated market, right? The, the, the first of its own on the East Coast, um, smack dab in the middle of COVID, <laughs> right? So you, you got all these elements creating a brand new industry from the ground up. You got all these elements that dictate the time and the speed it takes to just get a business open, right? Like yeah. if we were an ice cream shop, you know, wouldn't have been an issue. I wouldn't have to get a, a, a state license or a city license or uh, all these things. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Lobby to change the, <laughs> the the commercial zone to allow cannabis. You know, you don't you don't really need all that for like traditional businesses. So with this business in this industry it just it took a lot of time for the state for the for the local municipality to create a framework that just allowed adult use cannabis to to operate and thrive do you just have a lawyer around all the time like i can't even imagine the amount of legislation and now nah, we got a couple um, <laughs> <laughs> um and, and we, we, we called them with very specific questions <laughs> to get very specific responses so it yeah. doesn't cost that much. Um, now, but all jokes aside, it does require, every element of this requires legal advice. You need corporate attorneys. You need municipal zoning attorneys. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's probably the only quote unquote, like attorney help you need. You need compliance help, which isn't necessarily like legal, but it's more regulatory. And you just, you kind of need to know how to run a business. Yeah. You know, like I wouldn't, this isn't a business for like a first time. No business owner 
<laughs> like this isn't a, even like a first time retail business owner. Like I'm so happy and fortunate I had retail experience and running a retail business. I would have been that much more overwhelmed if I didn't know how to run a retail business, if this was my first retail business. Then, you know, there's a there's the element of uh, finance and fundraising, too. Like this is not in this is an expensive operation. Yeah. You know, this is not cheap. You need at least, you know, close to a million bucks to get one of these things up and running. And you can't really get it from traditional sources. So it's a lot. I feel like it's not like, like whenever you talk about business, you're like competitor, competitors. I feel like this industry is like, you just need to last. Like you need to just start and then last and then not have it all explode in your face. Like, yeah, I, yeah that's, that's like, it's just yeah. so, it just sounds so, and it can like just turn on a dime. Yeah. It's crazy. Yes. I mean, we were talking about this off camera about the, the, the cashless ATM issue that was literally like just came up this week. And that that's going to disrupt and it has disrupted a lot of businesses already with how they're going to transact car transaction. And I'm sure that was for most businesses, you know, on average, maybe a third of how they process payments. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So you got to you wake up the next day and you're like, I got to figure out a solution to this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? If I was making. If I was generating, this is a, a realistic scenario. If I was generating $30,000 a day in business and 10,000 of that now, I got to figure out how to transact that tomorrow. Yeah. Right. Like, that's crazy. That's a real it's crazy challenge that like cannabis businesses encounter often. That's so know? crazy. I, I know y'all do well with it, but it's just, I'm glad that people like yourself are in it because someone like myself, I'm just going to be on the sideline cheering y'all on. Well, <laughs> like, so I, interestingly <laughs> enough, like, again, if I didn't have retail experience, it would have overwhelmed me. In my specific experience, we had to deal with this because we were dealing with uh, the e-juice uh, transactions, yeah. uh, the, the jewel vape transactions, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. When all that stuff uh, was in a gray area with credit card transactors, you know what I'm saying? I remember when Jewel was like the thing, and now yeah. it's like you're all now it's not the yeah, thing. Yeah, no, it's not you're all going to <laughs> Yeah, it's like, it happened that quick. Like, yeah. that, that forced our business, our smoke shop business to pivot. Yeah. Like, we, we, I mean, the Jewel, frankly, the Jewel business gave us, like, a good run, a good, like, 18 months of Jewel business kind of gave us the money we needed to get these things going. Like, the Jewel was a real significant portion of our business and then they change the law a week later and you gotta like adapt and survive and this was our means of adapting yeah well i like i like the progress you made I'm, I'm, you. I'm excited for this next phase uh how'd you speaking of you, you talked about this you know community bringing people together how'd you connect with the boston Eugema project i became familiar with the Eugema project Actually, years before, because I was telling you I've been in nonprofit stuff. Yeah. So I was familiar with the Ujima Project, just in my Boston nonprofit, moving and grooving. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, and I think we got more engaged 
with the project as we, you know, just, I think any business that has sustained itself in a community, a small business, you try to reach out to different organizations that are doing like-minded work, right? And so for us, it just seemed right to just, you know, again, from my, myself coming from a nonprofit community-based background to just like have relationships with these sort of organizations. And I think it was just through that outreach, through that connection, um, I got that much more familiar with the Ujima project. Yeah. It's uh, Ujima does awesome stuff. Yeah. It's a, it's the, the concept of just building up. And the work community is, is, I remember looking at your business practices. I love the waste transparency. Uh, uh, I, work, I work at a place that does that. And it weirded me out at first. I'm like, yo, this is, we can all see this? Yeah, but it, it, well, it's so super. I, I learned this from uh, <clears throat> Scrum training. I'm not sure if you're familiar yeah. with Scrum and Agile uh, in, in, in the corporate workplace, that training and that model. But I learned that like Scrum trainings and, and Scrum um, capacity building kind of encourages uh, pay transparency. I'm saying that and just going through that as an individual and then also kind of wearing my hat as a business owner. I'm like, wow, that's actually cool because those questions aren't asked anymore. If you go downstairs and you're like, oh, you see everybody's like salary on the thing. It's like you don't really have to ask those questions. Or at least if you're curious about those questions, they're already answered. Right. It, it's not like this information is hidden. And I feel like with a lot of businesses, and even as I've gone through this interview process and, and onboarding people, there's so much information I know coming from the perspective of an owner, a business operator, that I wanna share with my employees because that builds their capacity, it builds their understanding of the business they become that much more uh, involved and engaged yeah. in the business. They can add more value to the business if they understand the business, right? And so that's the ethos that we're trying to have is just ongoing training, ongoing transparency, ongoing capacity building, because we just want to build our team and build that capacity so we can have an exceptional business. You know, it's not rocket science. Yeah. I, that that formula is actually it's pretty understandable. It's pretty logical. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I uh, the, the the number one thing that stuck out was community owned. Okay, your business practices, and you have like the ultimate community business. You live like around the corner. Yeah, live around the you corner. Got your business here. Got started business here. Putting your crew on your back. Who would have known? Who would have <laughs> thought that that with your friends would have led to you doing this with your friends? Yo, what's even crazier? The Star Market right next door is. My best friend's first job. That's wild. When he was 14. Right in the back in the path, you know, it's kind of stripped of um, the old train tracks that I used to have back in the day. It's a walking path, bike path now. But that was our smoking spot. Like, as kids. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. it don't get any more community than this. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, my mom's going to work here. Um, some of my close friends, childhood friends growing up from, you know, uh, our neighborhood down the street yeah. don't work here. Like it, it really don't get any more community than that. It doesn't. This is good. This is a great thing, and I'm all I'm. I'm excited about this. I'm excited about this for you. Um, Thank you. When 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 are we expecting the New Year's Eve? 
Okay. <laughs> We're okay. going to pop it off New Year's Eve. I will go into the new year with nice. this new energy. That'd be a good way to go into the new year. Yeah. Sleep. <laughs> Sleep by 11. Yeah. I'll have to... I'll have to go in remotely. I got a, I got a newborn at the house, so my New Year's will probably just be me and my wife just yeah. there kicking it. But I definitely want to see this. I want to come back when you get the turtle, your mascot where I am. Yeah. Uh, it, this has been really cool. I really appreciate you taking the time to, Thank to, you, to meet Thank with you. us. Um, I got to start smoking weed again. I think that's the. I think that's what we pulled from this conversation. Yeah. I think it's wild that the the the, the connotation it had. I'm talking to a real, you know what I mean? I'm talking to an actual business owner who's opening up, putting people on through this thing that we thought was the devil. Yeah, it's really years not. Ago. It's and really like, not. No, it's actually creating opportunity. Um, yeah. I mean, this, this is our first of three locations, by the way. We have a second one opening in Brockton in about three, four months. Okay. And we have another one opening in Boston, literally right around the corner from our original Kush Brew shop in Mission Hill. That should be open in probably like June. Nice. Uh, we got to check back in. Logan, we'll, we'll check back in. We'll, we'll, we'll see how things are going. Yes, sir. Um, seriously, Marcus, thank you. Thank you for doing this. Like you've done, a, you've done a lot of good. And I don't know if you ever get the time to just sit back and admire it, but like this is an awesome, this is an awesome situation. Thank you. And I wish you nothing but the best of success. Thank uh, you. So uh, for everyone tuning in, thank you for the Boston Dreamer Project again. Like the, the work speaks for itself from food to jazz to you know cannabis well uh, it, it, we're in an interesting unique uh space because and i, I think i have to disclose this <laughs> oh please do i don't want uh, to <laughs> because you know kush groove the brand is owned by kush groove clothing llc okay which is a company owned by myself and my partner mike the cannabis business that we're in and the space that we're in it's a totally separate entity okay it's a totally different organization totally different okay. organization uh with different business partners with myself and my partner um as the majority owners but it's a business that operates in cannabis and our clothing and accessories business doesn't necessarily operate in cannabis got it so i just want to make let's that get the legal stuff let's <laughs> that's that's, that's, cannabis. Yeah, yeah, we're good. that's cannabis in America <laughs> right now, man. It's, 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 cannabis, it's cannabis in America right now. But no, this is, I mean, the fact that you're doing that, it's great. And again, shout out to Eugene Project for even setting this up. This has been a great journey. Um, and we've been meeting really exceptional individuals. So, Marcus, again, running two big things from the clothes to the cannabis. I salute you. Thank you. Um, for everyone, keep, keep tuning in. Um, there have been some really exceptional folks here and uh, doing great things. Yeah, stay tuned. And for everyone else out there, we'll see you next time. Peace. Peace.